the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, and today we're going to be talking about something that you need. Well, you always need what we're going to be talking about. That is insights into what's going on in this crazy world of ours. But um, today we're going to be talking about a uh, quality that we each have in varying amounts, and uh, we need actually to increase it. And today's guest, Dr. Al Siebert, is going to tell us how to do just that. The what I'm talking about is resiliency, what it is, and why you need it is the topic of today's show. And Dr. Al Siebert is the director of the Resiliency Center, and he's the author of two books about resiliency, The Survivor Personality and The Resiliency Advantage. The uh, Resiliency Advantage has just recently come out. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Um, Before we talk about resiliency uh, in greater, great detail, um, I would like to know how you went from being an ex-paratrooper to a psychologist and what this has to do with resiliency. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're, they're surprisingly related. <laughs> surprisingly. Yes, I, I joined the I, No, I'm, I'm, I actually am not surprised. I mean, obviously, as a paratrooper, you had to develop some resiliency. Yes, well, and, and, but what I found was, and it's quite a fascinating thing, is that when I went into the service that I found that the real survivors are like the old uh, uh, TV series like Alan Alda playing Hawkeye in MASH, uh, a relaxed uh, sense of humor, uh, kind of a, a, a soft scan, always looking what's, uh, what's going on around them. The real survivors are not like Rambo. And so I was with them. I, I, I picked up their nature and was around them for three years. Uh, I was in the service, uh, much to uh, one of my reasons was to get the GI Bill of Rights, and so the government paid for my way through grad school. And uh, then Carol was kind of—I find it amusing—and um, that is that I was finishing up my doctoral program in clinical psychology, and uh, I'll put it this way: I had a career crisis before I even had a career because I, I found out I didn't like listening to people talk about their problems. <laughs> Yes, I would say that that would be a crisis so I, on your way to be a psychologist. Yes, yeah, so I, I said, well, okay, thanks very much for the Ph.D., and, and I uh, took uh, quite a bit of time to think through, and, and I realized that I could take the training I had and start beginning studying people who were so amazing as survivors that they not only survived things uh, quite well, but they at the, af- afterwards they were stronger than they had started out. They were thankful for what they went through. And then I, I also, I, I mentioned in the beginning of my book that I had the fortune uh, of um, hearing Dr. Viktor Frankl speak, who uh, was uh, doing his tour uh, talking about man's search for meaning, his famous 
man talking about horrible, horrible things that the uh, Nazis had done to all the Jewish people during the Holocaust. And, and I, was, I was fascinated. How could someone who'd been through that not be a psychological casualty? How could he become uh, such a, a happy, lively, spirited person? And so, Carol, I, I started from, you know, thinking all, all my experiences and so forth. I've spent over 40 years now. Um, I graduated with my, my Ph.D. in 65. Um, have uh, been fascinated with this, this inner process. Something's going on inside people that makes some people stronger uh, out of the same circumstances that devastate others. Well, um, so after you... Um got your Ph.D., you then became a professor, Yes, correct? Yes, and management psychology, intro psych, and then started my research into the inner nature of highly resilient survivors. Okay, but I guess what I'm getting at is, um, were, was it the questions or, or obviously trying to deal with resiliency yourself in being a paratrooper that made you uh, go towards that area in psychology? I mean, you could have done research in anything. That's true. I, I think looking back on it, that uh, it traces back partly to the fact that my, fa- my father died when I was young. Uh, and my, uh, so my, I was raised by a, a, a mother who had to raise two kids, so a, a single mother raising two kids. And she just sat us down after he died, and she said, Now, you're gonna, if you want spending money, you have to earn your own money, uh, mowing lawns, babysitting, whatever. Um, I expected it to uh, help out here at the home, and, and so she would give us our chores and, and so forth. And uh, it was that way all the time I was growing up. Hmm. So she she had been uh, herself. Uh, her her uh, mother had died uh, right during the early part of the Depression, and so she was a farm girl and had to just uh, hold the family together, take care of her father and two brothers, and all that rubbed off on me. To, hmm. a very positive attitude about any kind of challenge or difficulty that came along, and I, I, I'm sure I just absorbed a whole lot of that. Hmm. So, um, so actually, there were events even earlier in your life that yes. caused you to be interested in this topic. Yes. Okay. Well, why don't we um, get to it then? Why don't you give us your definition of resiliency? There's really three key elements are, are here, and that is that. It's the ability to easily handle nonstop change. So change is always going on. And the more resilient people quickly adapt to change, they respond quickly, and so forth. Second is holding up under a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, In the workplace, I find everywhere I go, people are feeling the pressure to get more work done in less time with fewer people, with a reduced budget, and have to work in new ways, and well, even... Uh, worrying a little bit about if they'll keep their jobs, even if they do that pretty well. And then third is the ability to bounce back, the, the core meaning of resiliency, the ability to bounce back from an extreme setback, extreme adversity, and to uh, recover and put a good life back together again that may be much different than how it was before. And... We are all, um, well, actually, you give a few examples, little um, one-liners for that describe people's um, origins, and then uh, there's a surprise to see who each of them are. So why don't you tell us about that? In terms of the quiz or the five? No, the, um, 
The five the, levels of resilience? No. The, <laughs> there's so many things you could talk yeah. about. Um, no, the little stories that, uh, for example, the young boy whose father died before his birth and so on, <laughs> who grows up with an alcoholic and often abusive stepfather yeah. who who is. Well, and, you know, this goes on and on like this. There, there's, I've got so many stories in the book. And uh, actually, you know, probably uh, for your, your audience, one of the best examples is the actress Suzanne Summers. So I mentioned her in the book. Uh, okay. She had an alcoholic father. Uh, she got married. Uh, when she got had gotten pregnant when she was young, and then she she divorced the guy very quickly, and had to uh, raise her son by by herself. He had medical problems. Uh, she uh, managed somehow to uh, rise up and, and become this the famous blonde in the TV series Three's Company. And uh, then she uh, had uh, had the nerve to ask for a raise after it became the number one show in the nation. And the uh, executives were so outraged that they blackballed her out of television and, and working in the United States. And so she had to go to Europe with a, a road show to help uh, uh, you know, keep herself together, keep her act, and, and keep her skills up. And gradually now she's come back and, and she has her own TV show and has, has rebuilt a good life for herself. She wrote a really good book called After the Fall. And I just... I'm, Marvel at her insight, saying that that um, we we need adversity in our life in order to grow, to get stronger. And she she states that adversity makes us define ourselves. It makes us decide who we are and what we're all about and our values. So I, I really admire her a lot for the way that she's handled things. And again, like I say, starting off growing up with an alcoholic father, and so uh, and she she any charity work she does is to uh, support. Groups that are, are working with alcohol recovery. Yes, and that 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 is really the key to this um, understanding what makes some people uh, totally crumble under adversity, any kind of adversity, and what makes other people yes. um, become more determined to have a good life for themselves. But what I was reading actually before was the young boy whose father died before his birth, who grew up with an alcoholic and often abusive stepfather. And Bill Clinton, and you talk about, and I didn't know this about Albert Einstein, but another boy who suffers a nervous breakdown as a teenager is a poor student and has no friends. His father is ashamed of his lack of athletic prowess. You know, you wonder, um, of course, Oprah Winfrey, we, we know, another girl born on a dirt poor Mississippi farm, grows up in poverty and was raped at nine. Um, you know, you wonder about these things, and so there are so many people. I would say more people who, under situations like that, actually crumble and certainly don't achieve the kind of um, lives, that successful lives that these examples do. What have you found is the, well, actually, we're going to be going into a break soon, so I don't want you to start this, but uh, explaining why. But I think that that is sort of a, a key, in, in my opinion, um, what... What makes that, that uh, turning point when someone can either be totally um, filled for life because of these circumstances or can, can uh, help use them to make them a stronger person? We will get into that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. Al Siebert, and we're talking about resiliency, what it is, and why you need it. 
informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach Robin Dane and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with Dr. Al Siebert, who is the director of the Resiliency Center and the author of The Survivor Personality and the Resiliency Advantage. Um, just before the break, we were talking about some famous people like Bill Clinton and Oprah Winfrey, Suzanne Summers, who uh, started off in life um, he- easily headed uh, down the wrong track and somehow managed to pull their lives together and make them very successful. So, Dr. Siebert, why don't you talk to us about that? What What is the difference between the people? What makes that turning point different for some people uh, to become successful and others to totally give up. Well, there are the, the key thing is how you respond when what you do makes a difference. And uh, so, the uh, one thing that some people are curious about is, well, are you just born with this or not? 
And the answer is uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, yes, what? <laughs> well, that's my point. I, you know, I'm an old, I'm, like I say, I'm an old intro psych instructor. <laughs> so, so a few people are born with this, this instinctive resiliency, and as children, it's just in them. Even when they're growing up in the most horrible families, dysfunctional families, bad neighborhoods, uh, rough things going on, a few children will hold will show those abilities. There's a nice book uh, for um, you know, students uh, by a psychiatrist, uh, James Anthony, uh, wrote a, a large volume called The Invulnerable Child, and that's a, a that's a classic in the field. The rest of us, however, we we have to work to learn resiliency skills. And so the key thing, uh, Carol, I would say this then, is that when you, know, you and I, when we get into a challenging situation of some kind, um, we, we, the key thing is to quickly focus outward, asking lots of questions, and you read reality rapidly. And this comes now from a natural predisposition, predisposition excuse me, uh, of being curious all your life being like a curious child, asking questions, want to know how things work, and so forth. And then, then when you're under pressure, your, your mind automatically goes to, to a rapid curiosity, absorbing accurately what's happening around you. People who are not resilient do not get into their brains an accurate mental map of the world that they're in or having to deal with. Uh, secondly, a key thing then is, is after you've You've absorbed the information about the new reality. You quickly problem solve with a, a sort of optimistic expectation that somehow, some way, I'm going to deal with this and get through this okay. So those are the, those are the key fundamental elements. Hmm. And uh, what causes some people to develop these things more rapidly or better than others? Now, you know, this is a, a really fundamental question you've asked here. Now, the thing is that all of us as human beings are born with the inclination as, as young children to ask questions, to be curious, to explore, to find out how things work. And this is how human beings, the human creature, learns how to survive in this environment, what the world around it is like, what is safe, what's not safe, how to get food, uh, where do I get shelter and protection all kinds of things like that. It's born into us. And the most resilient people never stop doing that. They keep learning and learning their entire lives. Whereas the people who, are, are, who lose their resiliency are people who tend to have their curiosity squelched. You know, I, I've been all, all over the country, and I've, I've asked a, a question to uh, thousands of people in my audiences. I asked this question. Has... Have you, have you been to a high school commencement where a graduating senior was honored for being the best student in the class at asking questions? No. Never, ever have I had anyone raise a hand. And yet the thing is that, that any, for the, if we're going to cultivate resiliency in young people, then we need to really applaud and encourage the questions they ask rather than uh, praise them for having quietly submitted to memorizing the right answers. Yes. See, because, and that's okay if the world is, is unchanging, if, if the environment that we have to survive and live in never changes. See what I'm getting at? Now, yes, now the other absolutely. Thing. And, and, you know, what's sad is that um, with more, with our educational system, 
falling into greater and greater disrepair um, with larger classes and and more children with with more children with attention problems um, the the emphasis that so many teachers put on the class is to be good and be quiet and um, memorize as you say but even even aside from that just just listen to what I'm saying and and uh, don't question it yes and in a sense I guess you could say that that's what some of the politics are of the day listen to what uh, I know. the leaders are saying and don't question why we're giving up our rights right and left that's right don't ask too many questions. If you ask too many questions, it makes uh, the status quo in a society more difficult to to maintain. Yes, and, and this and where this fits in a little bit is uh, another another view of this is the least resilient people are those who came out of childhood being trained to act, think, talk, and feel in prescribed ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what happens is that when they get into a, a changed circumstance, trying to continue to act like a good five-year-old when you're 45 is completely inappropriate and puts you in a non-survival condition. Yes, yes. And, and, so, uh, so the contrast is, uh, is that people who are more resilient, we might uh, say that they have a discovered personality. So they, they've been allowed to sort of allow their own tendencies, their unique qualities, their natural curiosity uh, to emerge without some adults uh, telling them that that was that's a wrong way to be here uh, in your life. Yes, absolutely. So don't you run into this in, in the uh, the therapy sessions? Any clients that you're working? Yeah, I just tell them that whatever I say is <laughs> I don't encourage curiosity. <laughs> oh. oh, wait a minute. Uh, only kidding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. I, I mean, I assume what you're getting at is. That the idea, uh, the ideal for a for successful therapy is to get the patient to be curious about what makes them the way that they are. Yes, good, perfect, perfect. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember who was there? Some some book I read some time ago, and the, uh, the the therapist was saying that he found, and he's out of well, the California therapist uh, was saying that. Uh, that when he, he finds someone who is, is trying to act masculine or, or a woman who's attempting to, to be feminine, as a, anyway, he's saying that masculinity and femininity are psychological disorders. So, what? Well, they're playing a, the person is playing a role. Oh, and, okay. And their, their role isn't working. And then so they eventually, if it's not working, they get anxious. And tranquilizers, tranquilizers don't work, so they come to you. Yes, that's that's. I guess one of the stressors that are that um, is on society today. Uh, when you work with people, you work with them in all kinds of different environments. You work with businesses, and what other kinds of groups um, are come to you to learn uh, resiliency skills? These days, uh, half of the groups that contact me are people in some sort of public sector work. Uh, this might be federal employees. It could be state, county, city, uh, groups of folks that are under extreme pressure to uh, keep getting all the right things done while being constantly downsized. Uh, you look at any government agency around, and you find that someone who's, who's working there is attempting to struggle to get the work done that five people used to do. 
So mm-hmm. tremendous pressures on, on people in public service. I admire them greatly. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Now, what about, um, I, I don't know if we have the time to do the whole test on the air, but why don't you tell us about the resiliency quiz that you've constructed? I, I put that together as a nice summary of the key uh, elements that we find in, in uh, resilient folks. And, uh, you know, like the first item, I just asked uh, someone in a crisis or chaotic situation, do you calm yourself and, and are you able to take useful actions? So that's, that's right there. <laughs> we take a look at, at uh, seeing that, that here's someone who they'll calm their emotional reaction, focus on taking useful actions. Um, second item is uh, asking uh, how optimistic are you? Are you usually pretty optimistic? Do you see difficulties as temporary? Do you expect to overcome difficulties and believe things will turn out well? What we're getting at is kind of a mixture of optimism plus uh, what psychologists call an, an internal uh, feeling of control over the, um, the world that I'm in. And so it's essential. The people who are least resilient uh, from the first two items, they panic over the slightest little thing, get highly emotional, uh, don't problem solve, and uh, they tend to be pessimistic uh, about outcomes, uh, don't see how they can do anything themselves to make things turn out differently, and uh, tend to, to wallow in, in uh, the, the bad circumstance they think that they're in. And how do you see optimism um, as relating to resilience? I mean, do you think, um, just like resilience, are people, do you think that people are born um, having a certain degree of optimism, or do you think that that's something that can be learned, like you're saying about resilience? Well, I suppose there's a little relationship. The first thing that's popping to my mind uh, is that, uh, you know, that some mothers will just say, well, I'm so lucky because I have such a happy child with such a good temper. And other kids are from the first week are, are fussy and cranky and irritable and, and uh, just don't, don't handle wherever they are very well. So, so I, I think there's a little bit that may be inborn. But um, the, actually it, it takes experience, and that's why the, the child who keeps getting experience at handling things, at coping with things, at mastering things, uh, is gaining a, a deep kind of, of uh, if it's below words, um, a, a feeling of, of I can handle uh, life that comes my way and, and deal effectively with it. That's, that's a lot of what optimism is all about. It's, it's, a kind of, it's mixed with self-confidence. Yes, and I guess also the child's early experiences of seeing what happens when they try different things and whether they do come out with a, a good um, ending or not. And get praised for right. succeeding. Right. Well, we'll uh, come back and continue talking about resiliency, what it is and why you need it, with my guest, Dr. Al Siebert. Uh, in a few moments, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Vasily, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on voiceamerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific time for crust busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I hope you're listening today to today's show carefully because uh, this is something that we all need, resiliency. We've been learning about what it is and why we need it. And now um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what my guest, Dr. Al Siebert, calls uh, the five steps to learning resiliency skills. Yes, uh, and uh, I just found when I was writing my book, and, and I hope it's okay to mention the title, The Resilience sure. Advantage, um, when I was organizing the book, I found it useful to, there's so much new information coming uh, available now from the new science of resiliency psychology that I organized things into five levels. And so it's a, I'm finding a very handy and useful way to, to understand what's happening. Uh, first level is basically to take care of your health and well-being, your emotional well-being. And here's where you blend in and, and apply all the things that, that uh, we've been learning about, about uh, 
living a healthy lifestyle, uh, coping with pressures, um, reducing stressors, and things like that. The second level of resiliency has been understood for a long time, and that is the, the person who quickly uh, problem solves what comes their way. And so the, uh, the focus outward, whereas non-resilient people get highly emotional and distressed and, and actually act in self-defeating ways. Third level, then, we discover that the, uh, the people who are going to uh, be resilient have a strong feeling of self-confidence, uh, strong self-esteem, and a pretty good idea of who they are. And so I, I call that the third level of resiliency, the three inner selves, self-esteem, self-confidence, and self-concept. And um, these are like gatekeepers to any advanced level skills. So at the fourth level, then, here's where you really blossom now into being a, a, a really resilient person, much more relaxed, more healthy, um, anticipate problems. And there's some fascinating things that show up here. This is someone who is always learning uh, interesting, new, useful things. They learn lessons from, from experiences they have with people. And what happens with that is, they, for example, they trust their intuition. They learn from experience that I better trust my intuition, use it, uh, be guided by it. Uh, so these are, are folks who live a little bit more by the feeling of things than by appearances. Something else I, I found that was a breakthrough for me and that, at level four resiliency here is that the more resilient people have developed some complex sort of counterbalance qualities. These are folks who are uh, both optimistic and pessimistic. They are self-confident and self-critical. They are both selfish and unselfish. They are both playful and serious. They are both uh, conservative and liberal. Uh, it goes on and on like that. If we apply ourselves, we can make a list of, of probably 15 or 20 of these sort of counterbalanced or paradoxical uh, uh, dimensions that, that exist simultaneously in people who are highly resilient. And it, to me, this is just a fascinating uh, aspect, of, and this explains their complexity. And, and I suppose you've heard that from complexity theory that, that in any circumstance, the, the system that has the most complexity has the best chance of surviving because it will have some sort of response or adaptation internally mm. that, that it can draw on. Uh, and then we move to the uh, fourth, excuse uh, yeah. me, that the fourth. Then the fifth level is the people who are just awesome, and that's like the ones you were mentioning at the beginning of the show, like like uh, Clinton overcoming that, that uh, extreme uh, childhood, uh, Oprah Winfrey, and, and uh, uh, other people. Lance Armstrong getting a lot of attention right now for almost uh, being dead of cancer. They had to have surgery of his brain and... Uh, intestines throughout his body, extreme chemotherapy, um, radiation treatments, uh, and he comes back and has just now for the seventh time in a row won the Tour de France uh, bicycle race. Just awesome what, what he was able to do. Yes, an inspiration for people. Yes, and, and the thing is that he'll, he says that going through the cancer was more valuable for him. It changed him yeah, as a human being in a way that is more important than winning all the bicycle races. Hmm. 
Yes, because so you wouldn't a, be here for one. <laughs> that's a quick little summary of, of the five levels. Well, and then the last one, the develop your talent for serendipity. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. That's that's what I call it. Uh, it it's a quaint little term, actually. Uh, it, it was made up by Horace Walpole back in 1754, I think, was the year. Uh, he made up this t- term for a particular talent that he knew he had, and that was the ability to convert misfortune into good fortune. And so a few people at the highest levels will take something that is extreme misfortune. They not only bounce back, which is resiliency, but they even go past that mm-hmm. to something that's even much better than they had before. Huh. Okay. And now what? Now that we have a good, you know, sense of the climb, yes. what are some examples of how do you actually teach people? I mean, what are the nuts and bolts of this? Give, I mean, I know you can't give us a, um, a whole, uh, you know, turn us into the super resilient people in, in just this short time, but what are some of the kinds of ways that you try to change people uh, to make them more resilient? Like, what, what are the exercises? Or That's a great question, and here's where I, I take advantage of, of having written some introductory psychology books. Uh, is that at the end of each chapter, I have a few little suggestions on how to apply this material. So, for example, uh, in the chapter on developing your, your, your inner gatekeepers, strengthening them, I, I have exercises and, and suggestions on here's what to do to develop your self-confidence. Um, if you're going to develop your, your self-esteem, can you uh, sit down and make a list of all the things that you... Pardon me. <clears throat> a frog in my throat uh, that, that you like and appreciate about yourself. So I, I have suggestions uh, for all those things. The problem solving, uh, psychologists have identified that we, uh, that human beings have three different kinds of intelligence. And you can use any of those three kinds for problem solving. Every one of us has the same brain as, as anyone who's a scientist or an artist or, or a mechanic. Um, so, so there's the, uh, uh, rational, logical kind of problem solving, objective and emotional, step by step. So I have that outlined uh, in that chapter in the book. There's the ability for creative problem solving, and that's a whole different style going to right brain thinking. And then there's this third style, which is just simple, practical, look for a quick solution that works, do it, and move on. Hmm. Okay. And what about things like uh, teaching people optimism? How do you go about that at, at an adult stage? That is a fascinating thing. And you don't, you don't care what, what's happened is that our human race has gone through a, a sort of, of transformation over the centuries with that. So the, the words uh, optimist and pessimist uh, were created over 200 years ago. And so uh, it's fundamentally uh, the old meaning is that the optimist believes that, that even though things are difficult now, they will be better. The pessimist believes that uh, nothing's going to get better in the future, and, and whatever, even if there's something good now, it's not going to last. And where you cultivate that, and, and here's where we take advantage of this wonderful work by Martin Seligman, and he has a book I recommend it called Learned Optimism. And there are three elements of learning optimism. One is that this is a temporary condition. 
number two, that I can do something about this. And number three, it wasn't my fault. So he, because people who, who tend to be stuck in a pessimistic, depressed condition are thinking, well, I'm just a loser, it's my fault, these things always happen, it's just my life and there's no way to change it. Uh, they believe that, that uh, nothing's going to ever get better and uh, if anything does get better, it won't because I did anything. It's because uh, other people took action. So those are the three core elements of, of a person shifting from a, a state of discouragement and some pessimism into a state of uh, optimism. And, and, because optimism nowadays requires some action with it. It's more than just um, believing things will get better. There's an action component of, of I can do something in order to improve and gain a better outcome. You know, um, actually, I was just... Um I was just looking into that this morning. I think it's the same <laughs> Martin Seligman who did um, studies years ago in learned helplessness. Yes. And uh, which is very connected to all of this. Yes, it is. Learned helplessness were, came from studies, not just his, but various studies over the years, um, where they took animals like rats or he used dogs and put them in a situation where uh, the animals couldn't help themselves, couldn't rescue themselves, couldn't avoid or escape the problems, such as being shocked um, in a cage or something like that. And then um, they were put into a cage where they could escape, and the ones who had what he called learned helplessness um, didn't actually take advantage of their ability to do something about it, to rescue themselves, but expected uh, to not be able to change their situation. They had learned helplessness and, and didn't really uh, save themselves when they could have. And similar studies were done with rats in water in a, in a uh, tank, not being able to survive because you learned in this experience before that you weren't able to uh, get out of a certain um, lab set up with that and then you don't try after a while because you think nothing that you can do is going to be able to fix it. And so that's interesting that he yeah. then moved on to learned <laughs> uh, optimism from learned helplessness which is what I guess we all need to do. Yeah. <laughs> but right now we need to take a break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking with Dr. Al Siebert. He is the author of The Survivor Personality and the Resiliency Advantage. And at the end of the show, we will tell you where and how you can um, find out more about uh, his theories and also where you can get the book. So stay tuned. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. 
Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Gouray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch here listening to me and my guest, Dr. Al Siebert, talk about resiliency. He is the author of The Resiliency Advantage and the Survivor Personality. We've been talking about um, what, re- what resiliency is and some of the ways to try to become more resilient. There are actually so many um, connected, associated topics that, um, that Dr. Siebert talks about in his books and on his website. Um, one of the things that I think is a particularly interesting question, especially uh, nowadays when our future seems so uncertain, um, is is fate out of your control? And you talk about that. What what is the answer? <laughs> of course, the answer in a book about resiliency is no, right? <laughs> That's a key one, and that is that there are some things that we can influence and other things that we cannot. And resilient people are are, are able more to tell the difference. So they don't spend a lot of time uh, complaining about or, or whatever about things completely out of their control. They look at, at what can I do right here, right now, with me, with my friends, my coworkers, my family, and in my community, that will make a difference. So that, that there are very people who are very, let's say, uh, they have a good sense of good judgment. There's a, a kind of personal wisdom about what what's the, the right thing to do and what are things that uh, I can be aware of but won't uh, put a whole lot of time into trying to change. Well, um, of course, I think more people probably um, uh, feel as though fate is out of their control. I guess that goes back to the learned helplessness that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean, yes, of course, you know, you need the wisdom to tell the difference. <laughs> um, but but uh, I think 
I think especially um, more people need to learn to take the chance of trying to uh, control their fate or deal better with their fate. And, and you do what you can, and still uh, things will happen. I, I mentioned in my book that life is not fair, but that can be very good for you. So the thing is that things will happen that seem to be unfair, and the more resilient people will, will let themselves feel hurt. They'll cry. They'll, they'll hit bottom, uh, have a pity party for a while, depending on what we're talking about. I don't mean to laugh about it. Right. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the emotional process and then come back to rebuild a life. And like, like uh, with the uh, people who are in the World Trade Center, and, and I, I met with them last year. I'll be in New York City with them again uh, in just a few weeks. And uh, so they have lives now that are clearly defined as before 9-11 and after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And the more, the more resilient uh, people are able to weave uh, this experience into the larger story of their lives, mm-hmm. whereas the, the less resilient people, suddenly this is, they've become a victim and that's all they're known for. And now they let this experience they had or the feeling they had become the only thing that they're identified with. That's all they talk about. And they don't assimilate it into one of the aspects, one of the experiences of many that they've had in their lives. Yes, and of course it is very tempting when one undergoes a, a catastrophic event, whether it's the World Trade Center or the death of a parent or uh, a divorce, something, where you decide that you give up trying. You decide that, you know, all the life before you had been trying to make things turn out well, perfectly, or at least well, um, and it seems as though there's no point in trying to continue that, that this event has sort of stopped um, the the desire and the need for trying. Um, you know, we were talking about Lance Armstrong before and how uh, he had his, converted the experience, his experiences with dealing with cancer, trying to overcome cancer, to um, strengthen him in, in continuing his his athletic career. Um, now, serendipity, uh, the word that you use to describe that, um, also has the meaning to me, I think of it more as, uh, I mean, I guess it was sort of a serendipitous event in a way that um, that allowed him to do that, although it's hard to think of getting well, cancer as serendipitous. But but it's also, I mean, do you also talk about... Um, can I can I do a slight uh, uh, editing? On, sure. On, on, <laughs> yes. So so an event isn't serendipitous in itself. So that might be good luck, where okay. a person is is, is uh, almost bankrupt and they they happen to stumble and discover a, a hidden bag of gold coins from the gold rush or something. Okay. That that would be good synchronicity. That's good fortune. That's good luck. But serendipity does not exist unless a person is there to take a look at it with completely different um, thinking and a different perspective, and they discover within what most people would say and experience as very, very bad, they discover something that is very fortunate. So it takes, takes in, uh, Horace Walpole, who made up the term, said there's, there's got to be an element of what he called perspicacity, <laughs> wisdom. Uh, a, a certain element within the person of their mind is what converts it. So, so the situ- no situation is serendipitous. Uh, the, the, 
serendipity can only occur in bad situations. Okay, but then how do you connect that with the idea of grace? Um, you know, looking in the universe for things that uh, were put there actually to help you or, or um, push you forward in yes. some endeavor? Yes, grace, I like that, and it fits a little bit with luck. Uh, there's some nice research on that. I, I just did a, a, a TV program on, on uh, good luck that some people have. So, so something like that is you, you expect it. You see, you, you sort of prepare your mind. You expect that, that the world is wonderful. Uh, I've seen some beautiful photographs from a, a, a woman who's a bus driver who has never taken any photography classes, and she's a national award-winning photographer. She expects that when she goes around with her camera that that uh, beautiful scenes will be revealed to her. And she's there, she's prepared for the camera, and she captures them. It's just amazing. Uh, other people can go to a, a, a beautiful national park, and about all they notice is the litter that people have left mm-hmm. on the trail. And so it's what your mind uh, is prepared for. And also a little intuitive scanning, too. Just sensing, you know, are things okay, are things not okay, should I avoid this, is it okay if I go ahead? So there's that. And so obviously that would be a uh, quality that one trying to be um, more resilient would try to cultivate. Yes, yes, that's right. So, and plus, you know, something you haven't mentioned, too, and it has to do with, with uh, the connection between good health and resiliency. So a person who purposely uh, does things to laugh, to enjoy themselves, to play, to have fun, to hum, uh, to whistle, to uh, hug folks, uh, be with people they enjoy being with, and, and so forth, all of this promotes immune system functioning. Plus, and the connection to resiliency is, and there's, there's good research on this, when people are having a lot of pleasant, positive experiences during the day, their cognitive skills are expanded. Now, you know, that's another intro psych sort of thing here. Uh, what that means is that their mind is much more open to, to notice little things, to remember, or I've got 17 things to do today, and uh, do all the things right, don't make the mistakes, avoid injuries, avoid accidents. And their cognitive skills, their brain is just working so much more efficiently and better, plus they are healthier as well. Where yeah. People who are fearful, who are angry and anxious and so forth, cognitive skills are constricted, their immune system is, is lowered, they get sick more often, they get ill more often. We've got great re- research making all these connections. Yes, things where um, blood tests being taken and... and um all kinds of actual physical, tangible evidence of this. Yes, that's right. And, and they can do blood tests or even, you know, if uh, you watch the, the TV program, CSI, one of those programs, actually they can take a, that little little uh, swab and, and, and get a little uh, sample of you know, saliva from your cheek, and they can do the lab test to find out how many T cells are present in your saliva, and that indicates how... Much, uh, how, how active your immune system is. Yes, well, all of this, um, of course, has more significance than ever before. I mean, not only in terms of what you were talking about, uh, that it's largely people in um, public service kinds of uh, jobs and uh, who are being put under more pressure and, and need this, but, of course, it's all of us facing the 
um, events of, of our lives, terrorist attacks and so on, yes. that need to be uh, to develop our re- resiliency more than ever. Why don't you, um, before the music stops, <laughs> give out um, the websites that you would like people to go to and tell them how they can find your books. They come to the main website, which is resiliencycenter.com. R e s i l i e c y center that's one word dot com, and that has links to my other websites as well. So it's loaded there. Uh, I think Carol, you said you took the quiz. I've got the resiliency quiz at the website, yeah. and it's a lot of fun to go there and see what I have posted. Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of things on these on the website um, for ways that you can find out more about um, what resiliency is and and uh, how to cultivate it and. Of course, his books, again, I'll tell you the uh, titles, The Survivor Personality and the new one, The Resiliency Advantage, and I presume that they're at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and yes. wherever books are sold. Yes. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's I enjoyed been... it, Carol. <laughs> I mean, I hope our, I hope the resilience, the resiliency levels of all my listeners have increased uh, just listening to this yes. show. And... Um, Again, his name is Dr. Al Siebert, and he's the director of the Resiliency Center, and uh, you can find his books on his website, resiliency.com. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and uh, wishing you a resilient week. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.